Hello and welcome back to the Co-op News Punch podcast. This is episode 28. This is Liam here from Gaming on Linux and I am joined once again by my friend here, Samsai. How's it going, man? It's going quite well, I would say. Still going well. Good. We're back on time, which is... Yeah, that's a that's a change. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a big surprise because we usually run late on this by several weeks and sometimes months. But hey, we're back. We're going to have another frank and blunt chat about Linux and Linux gaming stuff and things. Mm, yes, it's going to be a spicy episode, this one. Yes. So over the last week or two, the free software and open source community was sort of cut in half with a rusty knife. Yeah, there was a uh, a rather controversial little uh, event that took place on Libre Planet not that long ago, and uh, that has kind of been dominating the discourse recently. Um, and obviously, it would have been crazy for us to not, you know, <laughs> not to discuss this topic on the podcast as well. Yeah. So... Some time ago, Richard Stallman left the Free Software Foundation. Yeah, yeah, that was the case. Uh, he resigned uh, from the the the. I believe it was the his position was the president of the FSF. Yeah, and um, yeah, this this was around when the Epstein case was like a big deal. I I myself haven't really read up too much on the Epstein ga- uh, case. I so I, I'm not going to comment on that too much. But as I understand it, he ran like some sort of a let's let's say underage bordellos type of a situation for some high profile yeah. friends of his. Or? Pretty terrible person. Now, yeah, he's been put away. But well, uh, isn't he dead? Oh, was he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, 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 as I recall, the the big thing was like that he died in prison. And nobody knows why. Oh, is that the one? Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's the meme. Like, Epstein didn't kill himself was the meme or something. Okay. Well, anyway, Stallman <laughs> made some rather unfortunate comments defending Marvin Minsky, which a lot of people didn't like very much. It all came up from sort of leaked emails. And so Richard Stallman ended up resigning. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe like a pretty long list of other behaviors was brought up even back then. But I think the big one was the, the Marvin Minsky uh, apologia that uh, he did on the MIT email list or, or mailing list or something along those lines. Yeah, so and, it uh, caused a big yeah, ruckus. It was, yeah, it, it wasn't like the, the, the timing on that was very poor, uh, causing a bit of blowback. And uh, Stallman left. And um, then recently on the, the Liberal Planet 2021, they announced without annou- for, without announcing prior that Stallman would be back on this live stream. Um, they announced that he would be brought back on the board. Yeah, he just sort of appeared on the live stream and said to the effect of some people would be happy, some won't. But I am back and I'm not planning on leaving again is the gist of what he said. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty close to exactly what he said. So that has caused this almighty rift between the free software and open source communities because there's, you know, this a half of people really don't like Stallman, whereas there's another half which are practically zealots that treat him as some kind of holy figure. Well, I mean, to some, he is a holy figure of the the Church of St. Ignatius or something. But let's to put it into perspective. Then Richard Stallman is is a big figurehead, though. Mm, so absolutely. he started off the free software movement. Uh, mm-hmm. that he founded GNU as well, didn't he? Yeah, the the GNU's not Unix. Yeah, project. So he has this huge history of obviously being a big player in getting things like that running. Oh yeah, I mean he's absolutely like a, a a very important figure as far as like getting all of this stuff started, and you know we we have like largely him and all of the people that he get gathered around himself for licenses like the GPL. But yeah, there's definitely at this point a bit of a rift, and like yeah, basically immediately when RMS came back, uh, there was just immediate backlash 
citing both the previous email incidents with the the Minsky case, but also a like a number of other things that they cited, and there was an open letter drafted to uh, Richard Stallman, which basically demands that he be removed from all leadership positions, both FSF and the GNU project. Yeah, and and, and, and additionally, they want the FSF board in its entirety to resign for making this, in their opinion, poor choice of letting uh, Stallman back in. And uh, yeah, letter also, signed by some huge names as well. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely signed by some new, uh, some huge uh, like names, both individually and on an organizational level. I actually haven't looked at it since the since I last checked it a while ago. But there is names from projects such as the Debian, uh, GNOME Foundation. There is former FSF members here, and then there is just like a list of. Currently, fifty-nine organizations, including things like Exorg uh, Foundation, SUSE, Mozilla, OBS Project, and a bunch of others. And um, yeah, basically, what they're calling for is that uh, Richard Stallman be removed from the FSF and GNU leadership positions, and for the FSF board to resign. And if these de- uh, if these demands are not met, they they are basically advocating that people boycott any FSF events, basically, and not show up for things like Libra Planet and and the like. And they cited a number of issues, and they have the appendix page, which is actually like all of the individual claims. Uh, apparently, there is some stuff about uh, Stallman treating women poorly and making them uncomfortable in uh, at and also outside of MIT. Uh, then there were some some interesting views of RMS regarding things like uh, think rather unsavory things like going into rape, pedophilia, necrophilia, zoophilia. Yeah, so lots of nasty (laughs) things that we don't need to to keep going on the long list of. But you get the idea. He's he's got a character that is basically is not fit to be in a leadership position. Is and people cover up his issues by making excuses, basically in my eyes, because a lot of people say that he has uh, Asperger's or or he's autistic, but he himself has said he's not. And a lot At of people... Best he's, the closest he's gotten is he's said that he's borderline, but that's, to to our knowledge, there is no diagnosis on this. And also, this is a kind of a crappy excuse, yeah. because I've heard from people who have, you know, diagnosed autism, and they've said that it shouldn't be considered some kind of, like, an excuse for people to act poorly. I mean, obviously, I can't comment on this because I don't have diagnosed autism, so I can't act as some kind of a spokesperson for this. But what I've heard from other people is that you basically should, you shouldn't just, you know, let behavior just kind of, you know, let it go just because someone someone has autism. Yeah, I mean, that's the point there. People are letting the behavior go or could, or just defending him until the end of the earth using things like autism as, at this point, as an excuse for his repeating behavior. This isn't just a one-off thing or something that's happened a couple of times. This has been going on for absolutely years. And the more people you speak to, the more stories appear about his behavior. It's not a case of of vilifying him. Mm. It's a case of he should not be in a leadership position if it's at that point where he is unable or unwilling to see the things that he's doing and saying are wrong he just shouldn't be left in that position i i think that is wrong yeah i mean even if we like let, let if we even if we suppose like some of the some of the sort of accusations that are being levied against uh stallman are focused on well, not focused on, but some of them are uh, about his sort of these philosophical views that Stallman holds or has held. Um, and in that regard, 
I could sort of understand that he's he's possibly doesn't realize that these are maybe like slightly unsavory and maybe he's not like socially aware, but that doesn't excuse, for example, like like I'm not too too worried about like these philosophical views in the sense that they are ultimately like philosophical points and you know, in the context of philosophy, you can argue for some pretty insane ideas i wouldn't i wouldn't really agree with rms on many of these things that he's he's saying uh on his like pri- his personal website etc etc but like in my opinion like one of the bigger issues here is that there are these numerous stories of stallman just kind of acting in very strange ways for example at various conferences and various events yeah, uh, I actually read a story the other day. There was this big thread on Twitter, and there's basically there's been thread after thread about people talking about encounters they've had with Stallman, and one of mm. them stuck out to me. This this uh, a woman at, at an event went to shake hands with him. Uh, he grabbed her arm and then like licked her elbow, and it's just like what the fuck? Yeah, and this is the kind of person that he is, and it's. That kind of person is just is again. I'm not trying to vilify him, but it's he shouldn't be in these positions. It's wrong. Yeah, I mean, if, if we want to hand wave all of this behavior as just being not like socially aware enough, I mean, you should be like. I, I don't think there is a scenario where we should just completely let this kind of behavior just go. Just you know, excuse it as he's not socially aware enough to not realize that you shouldn't just lick a random person. But like, this is a PR problem. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest, like, my arguments in this has been largely that RMS's opinions on various kinds of things, while they might be a problem on their own to some degree, I don't really care too much about his private opinions. What I do care about more is that it looks bad. It's bad PR. And, you know, the free software movement, it's a, like it's as important now as it has ever been. And as it stands, Stallman is kind of just not really producing, like, advocacy for this cause in a positive way. Like, he's he's not show, showing, like, a good spotlight on the issues of free software. He's seemingly just kind of spotlighting his own strange behavior. And one of the comments I made on the original article that we did on this was that the FSF never seemingly gets any mainstream attention unless Stallman did something weird again. Or yeah. Stallman has resigned, or Stallman has been reinstated on the board. The Free Software and, Foundation, at this point, has become this relic that has just... It really hasn't kept up with the times. And when you look at the issues surrounding Richard Stallman and how he just appeared on the scene again and how the Free Software Foundation has now put out statement after statement after statement, not once even mentioning him or the issues surrounding him. It's it's just showing how they don't really know what they're doing. They really don't. Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is kind of just weird. And like the latest, or I I don't know if this is the latest statement that they made, but this is something that they posted on their... Uh, no, actually, I think it is the latest statement that they've made. I'm not sure if it has been posted on their website, but it was posted on their social medias. Statement. The board you voted unanimously to post the following statement on the FSF website. Well, <laughs> our primary mission is freedom for software users. We want to be clear. The FSF board unanimously condemns misogyny, racism, and other bigotry, as well as defamation, intimidation, and unfair attacks on free thought and speech. So completely missing the point there. Uh, people are using their free thought and speech to criticize the actions of Free Software Foundation. So I don't know what they're really worried about here. What they're basically saying is, on the one side, yeah, they they stand against all these bad things. And then it's that last line, which is clearly a direct link to Stolman and his views and the way he is. And it's, it's like you can't have both sides of it. But they do actually have a more up-to-date statement on the official Free Software Foundation website 
as of yesterday, where they announced their executive director, deputy director, and chief technology officer are all resigning. Mm. So yeah, they're basically bleeding staff right now because there is people inside the FSF who are also not very big fans of Stallman. I think there's this, there's a similar case on the the new side of things where some of the people on uh, it, participating in various new projects are not very much in favor of uh, of RMS. But it's it's honestly kind of a mess, and the FSF hasn't really figured out how to communicate this well. Like the statements they have been putting out haven't been they, they haven't like mitigated the backlash in any way. They haven't really acknowledged any of Stallman's curious behaviors. It, it's just not going very well for the FSF. I I don't really know what the plan here is, but like if if things are going the way they have been going. I feel like they're just going to fade into irrelevance at this rate. Well, they pretty much are when you look at their funding. How many companies have just disappeared from their patrons list? Yeah, I mean, uh, Red Hat pulled out recently. That was one of the big ones. But the the list has been shrinking for years now. But I think Red Hat was one of the big ones that they still had until they, in response to this... Basically, I, I think they are also they also signed the open letter, but um, yeah, they they pulled funding for the FSF specifically because of this issue. Yeah, if you look at their their website and look at their the Free Software Foundation patrons page, they actually list at the bottom links to previous years. Every year, the amount of companies funding them has gone down, even from only a couple of days ago. Two companies have disappeared from their patron list in the space of a couple of days. They're just they're they're bleeding people. They're bleeding supporters. They're just funding. Yeah, just they need to kick Stallman out and just modernize the way they do everything. They are so behind on on everything. But yeah, to I mean, be it... to be completely fair though, let's cover both sides. So there's the letter to remove Stallman, but there is a letter that basically copied this idea to show that there are people that want Stormen to remain. Right. Now, this letter, though, is interesting because the one to ask for Stormen to be removed has tons of not just people, but there's actual companies, like you mentioned earlier, that are putting the the entire company down to, to ask him to be removed whereas the open letter in support of Richard Stallman there's not a single company on it as there are like about 4,000 individuals on it lots of random Russian names and there's not really all that many noteworthy people on the letter in support yeah they've got the numbers but it's just a number they don't have people really pushing it like they would hope are are you saying that the 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 Moscow district phone book isn't as as uh, valid as say a whole bunch of free and open source software organizations. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, I guess that's fair. I, I've I've also been a little bit like I I found the I'm I'm sure that there are a bunch of like real Richard Stallman supporters and the support letter presumably has their names, but. It is an interesting thing how many Russian or Eastern European names there are on this list. That kind of made me think, like, are these actual people? But, I mean, it, it's entirely possible that they are real people. And I guess I guess we, we can respect their right to write an open letter. Yeah, Although I mean, I, that's why I made sure that we mentioned it, because I do want to cover both sides. There are... Plenty of people that want Richard Solman to stay in place, but there seems to be no company that is willing to put their name on it. I mean, that to me, that speaks absolute volumes about the problem there. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I think some people also commented on like like the uh, the 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 gender ratio based on the names seeming a little bit uh, a little bit off, but. Yeah, because I think the majority of the people that have voted for supporting him are men. Yeah, I mean... To put it bluntly. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Anyway. Yeah, uh, it it is, it is, this is is a problem that is 
not gonna go away. And it's since since the Free Software Foundation doesn't seem to be budging, I imagine we'll be hearing plenty of this until either the FSF finally decides to do something else than they're currently doing, or they just fade into irrelevance. Honestly, we don't have to report on this. I I think the Free Software Foundation will continually fade away like they have been over the last few years. Well, luckily we have other organizations that can basically do the same thing. Yep. I mean, at least the FSFE, the Free Software Foundation Europe side of things, they they completely like wash their hands of this RMS business. They basically said that they're they they have never been like truly affiliated with FSF and they're not really impressed by RMS coming back. Yeah, so, they, they I mean, basically said that they're not going to be doing anything with the Free Software Foundation going forward. It's like when yeah, your so, sister organization in Europe is saying, nope, stay away. You know you've got problems. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Right, okay. On to some maybe a bit more positive news. Yeah, sure. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm down for positive news right now. Yeah, let, let's, let's get a bit of positivity going. So... Feral Interactive, the porting extraordinaire that brought lots of titles over the past few years to Linux, has just recently announced Total War Rome Remastered. So they're now bringing one of the few titles that wasn't available on Linux in the Total War series to Linux in a completely remastered form. And... This is the first Total War title to launch with cross-platform online multiplayer. Yeah, I mean, um, I think this there was a little bit of conversation in the uh, comments of the post regarding what was the reason why the cross-platform multiplayer was now possible. And um, I think like one of the big things here is that Feral has 100% control of this this particular project. Yes, and like they've mean... done with the Android and iOS versions of things, they are the actual developer. They are doing the Windows version, the Mac version, and the Linux version. So all the math and sync libraries that they need to do, they have complete control over that to make sure everything actually matches up. Yeah, so basically this addresses the one problem that they've complained about in the past where... In the past, when they've done a Linux or a Mac port, they can possibly make the Linux and the Mac port talk with each other, but they can't make it talk with the Windows version because they can't change the Windows version. But in this case, since Feral is shipping all of the versions of this particular remaster, they can select components that work with one another, so everything should work just fine. Which means that uh, we should hopefully have a lively multiplayer community for this game when it comes out. Yeah, absolutely, because the original Total War Rome is no longer for sale because this is going to completely replace it and it's coming on April 29. So it's going to have all the usual stuff that you expect from a remaster, like improved visuals. You're going to have better resolution support, including Ultra HD, you know, widescreen, that sort of thing, like those big, long screens. Or everything about it is being modernized. And they're saying it will come with modding support straight away too. So hopefully, yes, it will have a pretty decent community around it, especially with full cross-platform multiplayer as well. Yeah, I've, I've heard some, some Total War fans say that Rome is one of the one of the most essential ones along the side of something like Medieval 2. Yeah, well, the thing about it is, is that Total War Rome was... From what I remember, is their creative assemblies? This is that was their first proper big hit. So yeah, they're going back to of, it in, with a splash. Yeah, I mean, a lot of lot of people like Rome and Rome stuff. So I, I, I guess that would make sense that a total war game focused on Rome would be a hit. Next up, we actually have another strategy game, although this one is completely different. This is a real-time, full real-time strategy game. Well, it's it's a re-implementation. It's OpenRA, OpenRA, which is... Uh, I like how you went to explain what OpenRA is, as if people don't know. <laughs> what? I'm sure there are some people listening that don't know what OpenRA is. So you have the classic Command & Conquer, Red Alert, Dune 2000. So the classic Westwood 
strategy games, the early strategy games that really push things forward. Yeah. And OpenRA is basically an engine that runs the game data that is available for these games, available for free, in fact. Yes. So you can just download OpenRA and you can just download the, the game data packs. And then you have, for the price of free, you can enjoy these fantastic RTS games. Yeah, it's a free and open source game engine re-implementation. That's a really hard word. Um, (laughs) But because Electronic Arts EA, they released those classic games as freeware so many years ago, you can just download OpenRA and it will, at the click of a button, then download the data it needs for it. It's recently had a new release, so they are continuing to improve it all the time. Yeah, and it's fantastic. I mean, it is. I think at this point, OpenRA is so good that the the fans of the originals actually, to my knowledge, they prefer OpenRA. And the honestly, like the Westwood RTS games, I I didn't play the original ones. I have only played them through OpenRA. But um, it's like Red Alert is so good. I I just like how. It's it doesn't have too much of like micro level stuff. It's more macro level strategy where you're commanding these blobs of forces rather than uh, trying to compete on clicks per minute or whatever. Yeah. Um. And uh, I've actually played this with you on a couple of st- streams, I think. And then we had the GOL tournaments a while back. And uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fantastic thing. Yeah, Open Array. If you love real-time strategy games and you love the the classics it is just an essential that you need to download free and open source so don't miss out on it and in progress right now they are working on supporting the remastered visuals from the newer command and conquer remastered release that's on steam but not only that eventually they're also going to support tiberian sun as well which i'm super super excited for because that was amazing I'm I'm definitely waiting to check that out. I've only played the I think it's Tiberian Dawn that is available open, on OpenRA right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we've had some positive news. Now we're going to do something that's well, it's a, it's a bit of a rumor right now, really, is that Microsoft are reportedly going to buy up Discord. They've got them in their sights to acquire them. Now, this has not been confirmed. There's lots of rumors out there, but some of it seems reasonably credible. But it's kind of a problem, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, sort of, yeah. Um, at this point, I don't think there is really a danger of, say, if Microsoft acquires Discord, they would like close down the Linux version of the application, which is just an Electron wrapper. So in that sense, there isn't a problem in Microsoft acquiring discord but it does perpetuate the problem of more and more online services being focused in the hands of a small number of corporations basically yeah it's this acquiring spree that big companies keep doing that is the concerning point for me like you said it's so much power to be condensed into a few essentially mega corporations now like Microsoft only recently bought out the likes of Bethesda and Zenimax, so they now have, you know, all the Doom stuff. And it's 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 worrying because then if they buy out Discord, they then have one of the most popular ways to communicate online under their control as well. On top of owning GitHub as well, one of the most important places for open source development that more and more of Linux well, just all the major parts of Linux seem to be gradually moving on to GitHub as well. It's just, that's a lot of power that they have. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Discord on its own was already a problem. Even even like well, even now, before it has been acquired by Microsoft, if it actually will be, in the sense that Discord at the moment has a huge amount of market and mind share, online VoIP and communication and like community sort of, platform side of things everything seems to have a discord these days even open source projects well we're we're recording this using discord right now just to make a point of how (laughs) 
of how well, crazy to be fair, we, we could this this conversation could be happening elsewhere. We have just kind of gravitated towards Discord for these ones because it's so easy. Yeah, that, that's um, the point. It's it's easy. You literally just sign in, click a button, and you're chatting or something. Yeah, and, and everybody has a Discord account these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it works on your phone and everywhere. But yeah, Microsoft reportedly going to buy them for a lot of money. But it's only rumors so far. There's nothing concrete on that. Yeah. But we do have some positive news to follow that up with because OBS Studio, the all-in-one solution for audio and video recording on Linux, is getting huge Wayland improvements. In fact, a bunch of pretty much most of what it needs to actually work fully on Wayland, I believe, has now been merged in. Is that right? Yeah, the um, this this person called, and I'm going to butcher the name here, I think it's something like... <laughs> George Stavrakas or something along those lines. Um, sounds vaguely Greek. Sorry, do you want to try that again? Sorry, it's no, I don't want to. Uh, no, you try <laughs> it. You try it. If you're not fine with my pronunciation, you can try this. I am the person that is not even a, na- a native English speaker here. Um, okay, the, George Stavrakas. Okay, sure. I will. I will accept that. Um, but <laughs> I said it quickly been... so people didn't hear my pronunciation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I realize. Um, yeah, they have been. Um, they have been contributing to the OBS project to uh, basically bring it up to speed with Wayland technologies. So their work has involved making the UI work natively on Wayland using uh, EGL and all kinds of technology things, but also making the capture methods of both screen and window capture work on uh, on OBS using the XDG desktop portal uh, system, which ties in with Pipewire. It's actually one of the things that I think sort of came out of the Flatpak land, where they wanted to provide a method for Flatpak applications to securely get things like screenshots and screen sharing. But turns out that it also works pretty well for things like Wayland. Um, and then they have been making some improvements to Pipewire, which is the hopefully going to be the new audio and video server for uh, Linux. And um, they've also improved the desktop portal infrastructure stuff to make all of that stuff work nicely. And I've been work, I, I've been using this uh, these patches with OBS for a while for my live streaming, and they have been working pretty damn great. The performance is very good. Um, it's actually pretty like it is. It is pretty user friendly, at least on GNOME. It has some user friendliness issues on other Wayland compositors like Sway, but it does also work there. So this kind of you know, there's that big complaint that has been levied against Wayland by certain people that you can't even do desktop screen sharing, screen capture things. Like, how are you supposed to be able to use Wayland when it's so? It's missing these important features. And at this point, the features are kind of just coming together, at least as far as screen sharing and screen capture is concerned. Yeah, that's good. Because like we said in a previous episode, all the pieces for Wayland to actually finally take over XOR are all coming together now, like really quickly as well. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's getting critical mass and all of them major desktop developers on Linux are kind of focusing towards Wayland because it's pretty clear that Xorg is in the process of dying. Um, It's kind of left to decompose slowly and um, nobody really wants to look at it and it's starting to get a little bit smelly so people are moving towards Wayland. Yep, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Back onto game news for a moment now. So, we spoke in the previous episode about my love for Valheim. Oh, yes, we did. It's recently hit 6 million sales. They just keep putting out updates saying, oh, we've hit another million, by the way, guys. The number go up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is just absolutely insane how popular Valheim became. But for many, many reasons, it, it is just a genuinely good game. But when we last spoke, you hadn't played it yet. Yeah, I, I'm. I I was probably one of the last ones to hop on board the Valheim train. How many hours have you put into it now? Uh, twenty-one hours, and <laughs> this has been in the span of like what a week. 
<laughs> Amazing. Yeah, Valheim <laughs> has suckered not just me and now, but Samzai, as you can tell from his hours there, he's also been suckered into it. And we've been playing quite a bit of it together now as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. I, I love the call-out model. Uh, it works so well because with the same character, I can play both single-player. So when I can't play with you, I can work on my single-player stuff and I can get more gear and I can upgrade my stuff. And then when you're available, I can switch the same character over to the co-op and I can just join your world with it. And then I can work on some stuff. I can unlock some new gear because you have still higher technology level than I do. And then I can just bring all of that stuff back to my own world and I can improve my tech level there. It's so great because it just allows me to do all of these wonderful things where I can just visit different people's worlds and you know, help them along with all of the fancy stuff that I've unlocked, or I can get help from them for, you know, thanks to them unlocking all of the stuff that I haven't unlocked yet. It's just, it's just great. Yeah, see, if if you're listening, Valheim, seriously, it is just that good. As long as you don't mind a bit of a difficulty curve and a bit of a grind towards actually getting through the game, but it's just... So good. Like we were running through the forest only a couple of days ago and just out of nowhere, I just see this figure in front of me, this hooded dark figure with what looks like a staff. And I was like, what is that? And you get closer and it just suddenly goes poof. And it's like, oh my God, that was Odin. (laughs) It's just, there's so many amazing things about it that it's constantly surprising you. It's just magical. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And although the difficulty curve initially is a little bit rough, and it honestly, personally, I I didn't feel like it did the tutorializing too well. I felt a little bit lost when I first streamed it on my own without, you know, any previous experience or any any previous um, training on it. But this is the thing that I like about it so much. You can so easily just co-op. You can just get a couple of friends together and then you can just join one of their worlds and get some of the early stuff together. And then when, you, you know, if you can't play with them on a certain day or whatever, you can just take all of the stuff that you have in your inventory on that character and you can just take it to your own like single player world or you can go play with another friend. And it just makes it so, yeah, it's it's just so neat how you can hop around different worlds without having to worry about what you unlocked on a certain server or whatever. Yeah. So Valheim, again, an absolute recommendation. Do get it. We're both completely sucked in now. Yeah, really. Now, something else that is not Samzai's favorite subject is cloud gaming. Oh, God. But this is for quite an interesting and a different reason. We're not talking about Stadia. We're not talking about GeForce Now or any of that. We're talking about EVE Online, that massively multiplayer space game that has been going for basically forever now. And people make jokes about how you need spreadsheets and so on for it. And, you know, it's kind of true. But they are building this full browser-based version called EVE Anywhere. And this is not just some cut-down part of EVE Online. This is the entire game that you'll be open, able to open a browser window and just jump into EVE Online. Hmm. So nothing's being taken away. People who play it on whatever platform will still have it, whether that's Windows, whether that's Linux using something like Steam Play or Wine, however. But then for other people, they'll just be able to click a browser window and log straight in. And I did speak to CCP, and they said that it will work and be supported on Linux, they've already had people testing it out. It, the operating system basically doesn't matter as long as you're either on Chrome, Edge, Firefox, or Safari. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, that's because the browser at that point is the operating system. Yeah, and that, I think, I still do think to this day that that is the way the future is going to be, for better oh. or worse. Oh, I certainly hope not, particularly with the... Um... The oligopoly that uh, the browser market is turning into, or yeah. actually a monopoly, considering the considering Chrome has like the vast majority of the market share. 
I actually did a meme about this. I had, to, I had to think before I said that because I have this habit of calling them memes or memes. I got it wrong a while ago and then it stuck and I just couldn't get out of it. So <laughs> I, I made a meme on it, which is basically it's that Spider-Man picture where they're pointing at each other and I replaced the heads with the Chromium logo to basically say this is what all browsers are turning into because there's masses of browsers out there all using the Chromium engine. They're all mm. so similar nowadays. And Firefox and Safari are like on the last stand. It's just, yeah, it is a shame. It is a real shame. I mean, it's it's great, though, that Chromium is open source. So we're not going to end up in the truly terrible situation that was Internet Explorer when that was like number one, at least in this case, it is well... open source. But that's not always amazing because... Obviously, the control over it is iffy. Didn't didn't Google basically just not that long ago disable the ability for Chromium to use the Google Sync features? Yes. Now, here's the thing, though. It surprises me that it was ever allowed because they have the official Google Chrome, which is, you know, that's that's the Google browser itself built from Chromium specifically marketed for Google and Google products, Google sign-in and so on. I always did find it odd, but helpful that Chromium and Chromium-based browsers could sign in and use everything. I always, I did always find that odd because I, because I always thought part of the point of using Chromium itself was to not have the Google side of it. But yeah, that did cause quite a stink for some people. But I, I moved back to Firefox some time ago anyway, and I've been quite happy on it. Yeah, I mean, Firefox is infinitely preferable. My point was that this kind of set a precedent that Google isn't above, like, making things worse for the Chromium side of things so that they can move people over to the official Google-endorsed Chrome. Yeah. Well, they're always going to try and find ways to do that so that they have that control. Mm, yep. Anyway, on to another bit of gaming news. We got stuck on browsers there for a minute. <laughs> yes. So... Paradox Interactive recently announced that they're going to resume development on Surviving Mars. So they released a new update and they've got a new expansion coming. Yeah, I think I remember when I when when was the last time that I played Surviving Mars which might have been on the Friday after the launch day and I never played it since that point ever again. Really? Did you not like it? No, I didn't like it. Oh. It, 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 I, it just it didn't grab me. See, it completely sucked me in. But then again, I've said this and confessed this many times. I'm an almighty space nerd. I love everything about space and different planets and so on. And Surviving Mars is one of the most chilled out building games around. That resembles a city builder. You're building up this city on Mars. But it was originally released in 2018 and it had Hamer Monk Games as the developer with Paradox Publishing. But now it's coming back under a different developer named Abstraction. So Paradox are reviving it with a new developer. And yeah, it's getting more content, which I'm really happy about because I think it is a really nice city build again. Did they say what part of this would be like the update and what part of it would be the expansion. The thing is, I like I said, I didn't like Surviving Mars when it came out. I probably could maybe possibly get into it if I really tried, but it didn't grab me. So my problem here is if some of this stuff is kind of like focused on the expansion, I don't know if I would personally be able to justify buying the expansion, even if the game would be good after getting the expansion, unless the update itself brings in a lot of things that you know make it interesting for me that are free so that i may then consider buying the expansion for it well they did already release a tourism update for surviving mars where they expanded what you can do with that so it added in like an rc safari and added new buildings and basically they took a lot of community requests to add in features along with rewards and consequences for basically Mars Tourism, which I thought was really cool. So that's already out and in the game for everyone. They also released around the same time 
a in-dome building spec because you're on Mars to actually have people there you have to build these huge domes and inside these domes you build lots of little buildings in these little sections so they released a small DLC so that you could get a few more different types of buildings to put in there but they haven't actually detailed what this bigger expansion is going to be and I've no doubt in true paradox style that when the big expansion comes out that another free update will come along because they always do that yeah, usually they they pair the next DLC or the expansion with some kind of a free update that brings in improvements and changes and sometimes even drastic changes to how the game works. Stellaris is a good example of a game that has changed drastically from its original version. Yeah, and frankly, I think Stellaris is much better for it. I, it's a much better game than when it first came out. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, if you like building on a different planet in City Builder style, Surviving Mars, go check it out because it's getting loads of new content. Mm. Okay, so we have come to the ending section now. And like we did last time, we're just going to blast out a little bit of quick fire news just to keep everybody a bit up to speed on what's been going on. That sounds like a fantastic idea. Okay, so Samzai, you're a bit of a, a brony. Have I got that right? Yes, friendship is magic. (laughs) So the fighting game, Them's Fighting Herds, now, right now, is officially available on Linux. After their Indiegogo campaign years ago, they released on Steam, and now, again, a while later, it's officially on Linux. It's designed by one of the same people who did the designs for, what's that show called? You should know it. Uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the the the, uh, the originally this project was called Fighting is Magic, but then Hasbro got involved and said that you can't use our characters. So one of the people that designed the original uh, MLP characters kind of submitted characters for the project to use that are free from any legal issues. Yeah, but it's actually a genuinely good fighting game. So that's out now. Yeah, you've you've tried it. I haven't. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I like it surprisingly Mm. we also have metro exodus that's actually going to get a linux release they've now confirmed it's going to be released on april 14 and i couldn't be happier oh yeah this this absolutely sounds fantastic i've read all of the metro books i've played both of the games the previous ones and i absolutely would like to sort of complete my collection as far as that's concerned and it's going to be hopefully a good port because they've already confirmed as well that the Linux port of Metro Exodus will support ray tracing. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. that, that is not something that I get to try, but it's cool that it's there. Yeah. We've also got the cozy narrative-driven adventure game, Forgotten Fields. That is going to release on April 14 as well. A lot of games releasing at the same time. Yeah, there's been a lot of that lately. <laughs> Because the day after that, on April 15, you're going to be able to turn into a jerk cloud. Yes, a cloud in the game Rain on Your Parade. So you basically fly through the air on this cloud that you get to draw a little face on it. And you basically rain on people. And yeah, it's it's pretty hilarious, to be honest. That is released mm. on, on April 15. We also right. have... Legend of Keepers, Career of a Dungeon Master. That is releasing on April 29. So I believe this is the exit from Early Access? Yes, it's currently in Early Access, you're right, yeah. And it is releasing in full, the big 1.0 on April 29. And that game's actually really good fun as well. That is another one like Slay the Spire, that you you start playing it and the hours just fade away. Yeah, I, I... I put a couple hours into it, and it's yeah, it's definitely pretty cool. We also have Shadow Tactics: Blades of the Shogun, Aiko's Choice. It's a standalone expansion to the incredibly popular real-time tactics game Shadow Tactics: Blades of the Shogun. A standalone expansion, so not a DLC. It's going to be a game by itself. Uh, they've confirmed that Linux will be supported again, but they haven't given a date other than at some point this year. Mm. Finally, Nightfall Hacker has gone free for Linux players on the Snap Store. 
So if you like strategy games, look up Nightfall Hacker on Snapcraft, the Snap Store. So you're saying that I have to install a package manager to get this game? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Look, I know there's people out there that don't like snaps. There's people out there that don't like flat packs, but it's a, it's a cool game, but it's free. Just try it. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's free, then, I mean, it's a small price to pay. Yeah. So, Samzai, what have you been playing recently? Well, I mean, the obvious answer here is Valheim, obviously. We both have been playing so much Valheim. Why um, did we put this section in this week? Yeah, I, I don't know. So that's why I had to come up with something that I've played that that is not Valheim. Uh, so <laughs> I the, the, I played a little bit of Valoran, uh, like, last week. Valoran, um, that's yes. the... That's the, uh, the, 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 the sort of uh, voxely... Uh, Voxel open world RPG open world that's sandbox in thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, that that one. Um, I tried a little bit of that one. Um, they've they recently had a pretty big update to it uh, that involved adding things like NPC interaction. So they now have inside the villages they have traders that you can trade with. Um, so that that was pretty cool. I also kind of delved into some of the features that I didn't explore too much previously, like the crafting stuff. And it seems to be kind of becoming a pretty decent game at this point. It definitely still feels like it's best played in co-op. Yeah. Uh, the single-player experience isn't like the greatest yet. Um, and some of the scaling in terms of difficulty is a little bit harsh. Yeah. So but, um, the problem it, it with Veloran be... really is that a lot of the work that they're doing on Veloran is still bringing up the the engine features to support everything they want to do with it. Yeah, I mean it's it's built on like from scratch engine technology because Rust game dev scene is still a little bit uh, sort of early in development. But yeah, but what what they have accomplished so far, at least like graphics wise and all of that, is actually surprisingly good. It looks fantastic as far as like graphics are concerned. Yeah, Valoran is really coming together. It's right now it's probably one of the most impressive and exciting upcoming open source game free and open source games yep so yeah check it out veloran it's, yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's really promising absolutely so what have you been playing well this, <laughs> this is uh it's gonna shock you but valheim really you've been playing valheim i didn't know yeah and who would have guessed I, i'm sure you've never heard of it. yeah it's a little known game well on that note we'll call it a day there yeah this was a, a fun episode. Got a little bit spicy, but we did have a good, good bit of good news to bring alongside all of the bad news. Yes, very good. So it's it, we, it was a bit of a roller coaster ride going from like bad news to good news to bad news. <laughs> yeah, we like to sandwich it all in together there. You get like a... It, it, it all kind of averages out to this relatively like meh experience. No, no too, not too many peaks, but not too many lows. <laughs> and I'm sure people will have plenty of colourful comments on this week's first subject. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm 100% sure. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. We will hopefully see you again soon. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>